Craft Beer Radio, episode 48, August 2nd, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And tonight we're going to be doing IPAs. Oh, IPAs. Great IPAs that we have. Most, uh, most of these were contributed by listeners, so they're from out of our area. Let's do this one first. I've heard that this one may be... I know the other ones are probably pretty damn good. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm excited. This, this one will be... This beer is from Gary, our Maltos daddy. <laughs> this is the Farmhouse Osthouse IPA. Osthouse? That's part of the name. The brewery is, well, like the label is Farmhouse. Okay. It's actually brewed by Coast Range Brewing Company. But the label is a farm, it's a Farmhouse oh, okay. series of Farmhouse beers. This is an American hop ale, it says on the label. 6.8% alcohol by volume. And these beers are on Ooh. bombers tonight. Woohoo! <laughs> And IPA, so we're getting definitely getting the hops. And mm, since we're doing a similar style, let's mention yeah. the style a little bit. So we're, it's American IPA. It stands for India Pale Ale. For some of our new listeners that might not have right. been aware, it's a historical style from England that the Americans have adapted and added more American style hops to it and make making them even hoppier. American hops yeah. are typically citrusy and fruity and um, sometimes piney or uh, you know, like grapefruit or orange. Yeah, some might say a little bit brighter, I guess, the, the flavors you might expect. Yeah, English hops are typically earthy right. in the flavor. Now, I'm definitely smelling uh, what smells to me like a total cascade all the way. Yeah, good juicy. It makes your mouth water, yeah. so that's juicy. <laughs> but the aroma just smells like a big ball of orange slash grapefruit, something yeah. tarter than an orange, but not as sour as a grapefruit. Yeah, Cascade is a very citrusy hop, and it has a very, a very distinct aroma to it and flavor. has the mouthfeel mm-hmm. that you'd expect with a nice American IPA. <laughs> it tastes really wet. Has this like it, it does taste very wet. That's, that, that's a really good description. And you're thinking, well, it, it, it's water-based. Of course it's wet. But it just – it kind of spreads out a lot and, and spreads a lot of the coolness that these were on the refrigerator. <laughs> so they're, they're nice and cold, uh, which isn't necessarily the best way to enjoy these. Maybe warm, warm them up a bit. But the still, at the same time, it does spread a lot of that – kind of juiciness out and mm-hmm. that juiciness kind of contributes to the wetness of the flavor yeah juicy is another great way to yeah. put this it just there's a fair amount of malt there so you get this fullness in the flavor and then oh, it just it's kind of difficult but the combination it, it tastes full and then it just like splashes out, out of the out of that fullness right. all over your mouth and just tastes juicy and wet the hoppiness isn't quite as extensive that doesn't have quite the the same kind of uh, flavor as the aroma. The aroma is much more full on hops, and the flavor is pretty balanced. I mean, it's obviously more on the hoppy side, but there's definitely a good malt backbone. There's there. a certain threshold you you cross when you're talking about IPAs. You have more traditional IPAs, you have American IPAs, and then it seems like you have these West Coast American IPAs where you hit a certain threshold of hop flavor and bitterness. And this one seems to be above that threshold. It's, it's just a little bit there, and it, it just you get this different impression when you drink it where 
hops is the overwhelming flavor in it, and the rest of the beer is secondary to it. It's a good flavor. I'm really enjoying this one mm-hmm. a lot. It, it, some IPAs can get sticky if they're not uh, carefully managed, and this one doesn't doesn't have the stickiness to it. Yeah, there's a lot of malt to it. It's not thin like mm-hmm. some IPAs. So this one could be thick or you know, kind of thick and sticky, almost like a ruination or something like that. That's one possibility. Uh, another really thick beer that isn't West Coast would be uh, Dreadnought and Three Floyds, which we had in the show. Right. It was a really thick, hoppy IPA like this. So it seems like there's like two camps in the body, too. Ones that are this thick and ones that are a little, a little more thinner and probably a little bit less of the the caramel-type flavors in the malt because this is a pretty – the malt is towards the sweeter side, the caramel, right. the – not really the, the, toasted, though. The, no, the malt is, I think, more apparent in this than, say, other IPAs. Uh, right, because of the caramel yeah. and the, the the sweetness that the malt imparts. For, for example, I've been recently, I, I got a case of 60 Minute, which I talked about last week, and that tends to be more on the hoppy side than the malty side. Okay, so let's get on to our first yeah, piece well, of let, business. Yeah, let's talk about business first. The, the podcast awards just happened. Just uh, the nominations for food are out, or all nominations, I guess. Well, the voting has started just the other day. Okay. The nominations were a couple weeks ago. I asked people to nominate us if they felt we were worthy. Well, they mustn't have. I guess or, we're not worthy. Or our listeners are slackers. <laughs> but the Good Beer Show with Jeffrey T. Meyer got nominated again. They won the podcast award for food and drink last year. It's a great show. So go ahead and hop over to podcastawards.com and give them a vote. And uh, if you're really hardcore, go vote for them every single day because it's a stupid mechanism where you go to the website and you're allowed one vote daily for each category. So if you really have zombie listeners and you can convince them to go back every day, you benefit. <laughs> but if he wins, it's kind of a vote for the whole genre. So yeah, I mean, you we'd want like to, to see him win over we, the whiskey rather, one. Ha- yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want beer. We want beer on the top. Okay, the DVD, the anniversary DVD. It's done. It's done. It hit the presses. It is in envelopes. I just need to print up some labels and some postage, and I'll ship out the first shipment. For those of you on the fence, now's the time to buy it while <laughs> supplies last. The DVD-ROM contains everything from the first year of Craft Beer Radio. And we mean everything. Up to and including episode 47, which was the last episode. Not counting the Beer Geek Roundtable. Right. All of the shows, extras, prep notes, plus some other goodies available only on the DVD, including some lost footage, plus an episode of Craft Beer Radio just for the DVD, and where we drink some too. of the most unique beers from my cellar and fridge. Should we tell them what we drank? Uh, no, we'll, we'll leave that you know, to Up people. for the imagination. What could they have possibly drank? Cave Creek Chili Beer is not on there because we, we did that on the, on the round table. Yeah, so you get to experience that one for free. No, but these were all good beers, too. You can get the DVD through the PayPal link on our website for a donation of $25. The DVD contains nearly 70 hours of listening enjoyment. And if you do the math, that's a stunning $0.35 cents an hour. You can't get that kind of entertainment for free. Well, you do, because we give it away. But you should feel really guilty about it. So buy a DVD today and sleep sound tonight knowing that you did the right thing. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if my eyes can roll back that far in my head. There are <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> there are several ways you can send us feedback. Of course, you can post a comment on our website, craftbeerradio.com. Vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave us a comment. Sign up for our Frapper Map, F-R-A-P-P-R slash Craft Beer Radio. Send us an email or audio comment to our email address, beer at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, send us some awesome beer, like this one. It's, getting, it's warming up a bit now. Some of the... 
some of the hops are starting to really come through uh, a bit, a little bit brighter. That first taste you get, and then it's dissolving into sort of bitterness from the hops. And you got basically you get kind of a hoppy, tingly sensation in on the tip of your tongue, in the middle of the tongue, in the back of the tongue, and maltiness kind of around the sides. This is a weird sensation. I don't, I don't think I've really experienced something like this before. But you know, after we did the business and came back to the beer, it tasted a lot thinner to me. Didn't have the same mouthfeel. I'm not sure why. It tasted a lot more watery. Really? Now that you know, we spent what, two minutes doing business, but I'm not sure. I don't get that feeling at all. Okay, I'm still getting plenty of hops, but the malt's not as forward as as it was before. Right? I do agree that that, that the malt presence has kind of uh, subsided subsided a bit, and the hops have been dialed up from warming up a bit, having a little time to sit. I'd like to better with more balance with the malt backbone there. This, I agree. The hop forward beer doesn't really suit it as well. Maybe this is a beer that, that well, I shouldn't say hop forward because it was hop forward before, yeah. but uh, hop only beer. Maybe this is an IPA that kind of should be cold. Well, it says right here on the label, American hop ale, American hop farm ale. That's a good farm ale. That's what I was thinking when we were tasting. I wonder if we're going to taste any wild type character to it. I'm not really getting anything. So you know, this this is. By wild, you mean like, you know, you put it outside and they get wild yeast and stuff in there, right? Well, a farmhouse ale typically has some of that wild character to it or saison. It's not, you know, it's not clean. There's a lot of good yeasty character mm-hmm. thrown in there. And I was hoping with this beer, it was going to be like a IPA saison is what I was crossing my fingers <laughs> and hoping for. But you're not getting much, really, the yeast ferments out pretty clean, really. I wonder how that would work because I'm trying to think if there are any real sour beers out there that have a strong hoppy presence and whether that would work well bitter hops with sour presence or would that just kind of be a a taste that wouldn't work yeah i don't know i mean i obviously have not had it um sounds fun right but it might stink (laughs) yeah it goes back to that point that uh i don't know if we talked about in the show but james spencer said on his show you know recipes are way they are for a certain reason you know that certain yeasts and certain recipes are fine-tuned to each other right. and they work well when you try to do some crazy hybrid with you know with um a wheat yeast and a, you know whip your yeast against you know a stout you know it probably doesn't work very well so well here's my thing about that i think there's a kind of a yes and a no to that argument i think yes you know the yes to that argument is that there there are tastes that have taste combinations and flavor combinations that have stood the test of time and in general, you have various sensations that go with each other. Sweet and sour is a good example, right? There's a whole sauce based after mm-hmm. that. Right. Uh, but you know, sweetness and sourness go well. In the same way, sweetness and bitterness go well together. Okay. Uh, but you don't often have, that I can think of, you don't pour salt on a lemon. You, know, you put salt on a tomato, but you don't put salt on a lemon. Right. You don't want to accentuate both of those flavors. You, you want to... They might be diametrically opposed to each other. On the other hand, the, the no part of that is that a certain core of that is socialization. There are flavors that we don't like simply because we have been cultured to not like them. Okay. There are flavors like there there are um, fermented fish entrails in certain cultures that are a delicacy. Right. Whereas we would taste them and be like, oh, oh, how can you possibly <laughs> eat that? Right, you know, there's 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 two things. There's you know flavors that don't work well together, and you know a wit beer yeast and a stout might probably doesn't work well together, and then there'd be the the never 
coming together until modern times type mm-hmm. thing. You know, lions and tigers can mate and make ligers, but it doesn't happen in nature because they don't live, they don't share the same habitat in a right. lot of cases. Uh, you know, so maybe the whip beer and the stouts just, it could be a situation where a certain kind of yeast is in Belgium for whip beer, but the water in Belgium is too soft to make a stout for the whole pH mashing thing. Uh-huh. So that could have been why it never came together. And now that you have water chemistry, it could come together and maybe someone has yet to invent you know, whip beer stout. Maybe that should be my next homebrew, you know? Whip beer stout. <laughs> so you have to really, you'd have to really darken those grains. You have to get them very malted and, and then you really cook them. Well, you, there's there's dark wheat, even if you wanted to use wheat. But I'm thinking the character the whip beer gives, that lemony, the, uh-huh. you know, maybe even spice it with coriander would be crazy. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, wow. But, uh, you know, it just, it probably doesn't work. But it'd be interesting to try it once, right? Yeah, I'd give it a shot. I'm not opposed to trying things. I'm just opposed to being forced to try stuff after I <laughs> found I don't like it. But to be honest, there isn't much on, on the planet I don't enjoy. There's so many great dishes and stuff out there that I'm really into. Right. Let's do some email. What do All you right. say? Let's do some email. We had two listeners this week both write in asking us about the Sam Adams Brewer Patriot Four, four pack. I was, I was surprised about that. Now the good thing is you have one of those in your fridge, right? I do. I have the four pack. It's it's a it's a hard root beer. It's a some kind of ginger beer, I think ginger something or another. And then there's, there's two other beers, a porter, I think, and maybe an amber. I'm not sure. You know that's that's a reasonable enough for a, a vertical we can try at some point. Right. We did, you know it hasn't been too long since we've done Sam Adams beers, so I'm probably gonna hold on to it yeah, for a while. Yeah, I, I think that's you know it's a 52 or 53 or something like that. Yeah. We'll wait a couple of weeks on that, but we're definitely going to give that a shot. Alex from Portland writes in and says, Shinerbach is pretty sucky, and both of us, we, we kind of agree. Yeah, it wasn't. It was forgettable, Yeah, I think is how we put it. She continues, I tried a Kolsch by them and when I was in Texas last year, and I like that more. So maybe Shiner produces some other good beer. Yeah. It's well, certainly possible. She said when she goes down there, she might send us some Kolsch. I'll keep an eye out for yeah, here as well since they're in the market. I would love to have we'd, – we'd love to do a coal show. Well, she asked us to do a coal show. Yeah. The thing is it's kind of hard to find the <laughs> yeah. stock for it. If someone wants to send us some Alaskan summer ale, we'll gladly take that. And if you know of any other coal shows that are bottled, let us know so we can seek them out or, or beg you to send them to us. Let's pour the rest out of this uh, 750-milliliter bomber. 22 it's, ounce. Oh, it's not a 750? No, 750 is bigger than 22 ounces, I think. Pretty sure. They look the same to me. I mean, how can you tell the difference? Besides uh, the fact that it's on a label. This 22-ounce bottle always has the shape of a normal beer bottle. Uh-huh. 750s are either the more champagne style or the, the Belgian, like a Unibrew, or, I mean, a Chimay-type bottle. Okay. You know, usually, and those ones are all, the, that style needs to be corked. So, but Good they to are know. different sizes. Good to know. As Greg would say, us guys in our damn imperial measurements. <laughs> Taste it again and see if you taste that malt character coming back. It's in between. It's not yeah. quite as full as it was to begin with, but it's not as watery as I remember. I think it stays a little bit colder inside the bomber. And because mm-hmm. of that, yeah, th- this is interesting because it's a beer that's better cold. An IPA that's better And there's colder. still plenty of flavor to it. Yeah. We, you know, my fridge is set pretty warm. I, I still need to get a fridge thermometer to know exactly <laughs> what it is in there. It's very hot out here. It's mm-hmm. ridiculously hot all throughout the country, so we're not the only one suffering through this. But I wonder if that had just something to do with 
the beer. I mean, the fact that it's hot outside and we're you know, drinking this cold. Oh, our, our yeah. uh, interpretation of the beer could be. Even that barley wine we had in the pre-show. Barley wine. It was a drier barley wine, but it was pretty refreshing yeah. and drinky, drinkable for a day like today. Definitely. I've, I've been drinking a lot of water today, that's for sure. Dr. Steve writes in, yes. uh, aside from giving Greg some sleep advice for his uh, insomnia, <laughs> New Holland makes an IPI called Mad Hatter. They currently have six variations of it. Mad Hatter, Imperial Hatter, Belgian Hatter, mm. Rausch Hatter, smoked IPA, Whoa, Black cool. Hatter. Wait, a smoked IPA? Yeah. Black Hatter, Nitro Hatter, and Oak Barrel Aged Hatter. A smoked IPA? Yeah, smoked malt. I I can't imagine what that'd be like. That, that's really interesting. I mean, do you, are there other smoked IPAs out there? Uh, I wouldn't say it'd be out of the question. I'm not familiar with yeah. any though. He um he's talking about it. he's never had many smoked beers before. He never heard of a smoked IPA before, so he had a sample of it. And he said it wasn't too bad, but he thinks a full glass would have been overkill with the smokiness. Sort of like uh, Cave Creek, <laughs> Cave Creek chili beer could be. <laughs> Well, let's get back to the But he also then. is talking about a Belgian mm. IPA, which we mentioned uh, last week. In I can see that. Show. I can see a Belgian IPA. That would work. You know, black IPA, uh, nitro IPA. That sounds like a waste. Yeah. <laughs> and then an oak barrel. That's another one. I've had a couple oaked IPAs, and the oak and the hops don't seem to go very well to me. Yeah, I, I think that's you – know, oak, oak really works well with malt. A malty beer, it adds nice uh, – Flavor, mm, how do you put this? <laughs> it adds nice little accents to the flavor of malt, mm-hmm. but I don't know whether it really go well with a really hoppy beer. Yeah, I've had the Dogfish Head Breton Batan, which is um, a, a hoppy. It's a blend of an IPA and uh, another beer. I, I'm not sure I remember right now, and it's oaked, and that's just I didn't like it at all. I was all excited to try a new Dogfish beer, and it <laughs> just didn't do it for me. Mm. We did get a lot of emails saying that they liked the, our new show format. And I think we're already getting better yeah. at it, so that's good. Uh, so do I. I really like it, too. I like that we're starting with a beer. I like that it you know, jumps right in. Oh, so a couple big sips to finish up that beer. We're talking about the the Farmhouse Oust House IPA, American Hop Farm Ale. Took some big sips. And it really packed the hops in my mouth. <laughs> and after I swallowed it, it just exploded like... Boom, there's citrus. Another thing I wanted to show you, I wanted to, maybe we should go before it gets dark. My hop plant has big hop cones on it now. Oh, really? So I think, yeah, since you probably haven't seen hops, you probably want to check that out. I've seen hops. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where'd you, where, Not fresh hops, but I've well, seen that's what I mean, fresh oh. hops. Well, we'll see it later. <laughs> You're right. See a lot more of it. <laughs> What's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> All right, the next find beer out. we're drinking tonight was hand-delivered from out by Philly by Brian. This is the Sly Fox Route 113 India Pale Ale. Or you might call it Root. Root if you're from this part of the country, yeah. Um, Jeff is actually wearing a Sly Fox shirt. It's funny how I've been doing that the last couple of shows, wearing a shirt. I was in the middle of working today, and I, I don't know, I was going to the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror when I was washing my hands. I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing one of those beers tonight. <laughs> now... We're, we're journalists, though, right? So we're not going to let this affect our opinion of the beer one way or another. Nope. This beer was uh, hand-delivered by Brian a few months ago. Pours with a ginormous head. You're not kidding. 
We oh. didn't talk about about the look of the last one very much. It was it was a darker than than this appears to be, although it has a huge head. It's almost hard to tell. Uh, the last beer, which was the farmhouse Oast House IPA, was more along the lines of um, uh, iced tea kind of oh, color. Oh. This one, however, is more along the lines of a of a lighter tea color, sort of a. Um, so one was a darker tea. This is a lighter this tea. One has I guess oran- it's not really good description. This one has orange highlights to it. It's a bit cloudy, but yeah, I'd say it's more orange than than like tan or brown. Right. That's a good. There you go. This beer is actually available in the market now. So he brought like before they were distributing here, but now they're like we can buy this all the time if you like it. Sly Fox is. We didn't talk about the farmhouse beard that much, did we? There wasn't much to talk about. Uh, Six thousand yeah. barrels. Okay. But the Sly Fox. Uh, let's see. Hopped with Centennial Cascade, Chinook, German Northern Brewer, and UK East Kent Goldings. That's a strange mix of American, <laughs> English, and German hops all no in kidding. one beer. No kidding. Uh, 113 IBU. This is going to be one bitter mofo. Oh, so that's where they got the name. There's probably. As you notice, the, the label has – in Pennsylvania, the state route signs are the shape of a keystone since right. we're the keystone state. And this Route 113 beer has a keystone. So they must live near – the brewery must be near a Route 113. They're like, hey, we can make a beer that hoppy just for fun. And, <laughs> and it all went from there. Wow, that, that hoppiness the, – the hoppy aroma is is much different than the cascade, the, the traditional cascade aroma. It's, um, it, right now, and sometimes these large heads throw off what we're smelling, but right now it smells really – it smells like uh, what we get from uh, Simcoe hops, that apricot flavor. That's what I'm picking up, even though I wouldn't think this combination of hops would give us apricot. That's I'm almost what I was getting smelling. A, a, a lemony or – Maybe not quite lemon, so maybe something more along the lines of uh, kiwi. Oh, okay. And, of course, we're get, this beer pours with a shaving cream thick head, so it's <laughs> going to be there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Griggs well, is re- beating the race down. Did you put some yeah, nose oil no, in there? No, I did not put any nose oil in here. <laughs> I would not do that to the beer. But it is, um, it's interesting because, I mean, it's forming like caverns <laughs> inside of it. Uh yeah, there's another planet forming on the tip of my beer. <laughs> so I'm going to do what I can and, you know, give this a taste here. Hmm. <laughs> wow. That is very grapefruity. Very grapefruity. Um, taste. You know, we've had beer like this before. And it, it to me it tastes like a Simcoe hop beer, like the Ameri- the Yards Philadelphia American Philadelphia Pale Ale. No, I mean, because the, the Philadelphia Pale Ale to me is much more tangible. Oh, you know what? Remember the beer we had where we said it tasted like those little fruit candies? Uh-huh. That's what this tastes like. You think so? Like if you had one of those little grapefruit hard candy fruit flavor things <laughs> with a little, like, little bit of juice right in the middle of it. I, I don't know because to, ta- to me this tastes like you're – you're scooping into a grapefruit and you're you're, you're piling it into your mouth. It tastes like grapefruit with seltzer water. Okay, the um, it's a really strong grapefruity taste to me. I'm getting, I'm getting a little more of that. The aroma I just took with my last sip smelled like sniffing half a grapefruit. So I'm getting more grapefruit. Mm-hmm. The aroma's changing now. The head's shrinking a little bit. 
When you have these huge heads, they really screw with the aroma, yeah. it seems. It also has um, some of the bitter, pithy character of grapefruit as well. Like when you, if you get some of the white from grapefruit in your, in your spoonful. And so that's where some of that comes from, too. This is another really juicy beer. Talking about all this grapefruit, you tend to think that tartness is going to dry up your mouth. But it's another pretty juicy beer. I don't know. I mean, to me, the pithiness is a little bit over the top. I don't think that... I, I think it's a little too bitter at the end. And, and it just kind of lingers. Um, and, I mean, if you really like grapefruit pith, then this is your beer. Maybe it's just 113 IBUs is a lot of IBUs. See, it's not coming across as all that bitter, though. You don't think so? I mean, to me, I, like, I'm getting the, this this end. It's like I've just swallowed a whole bunch of grapefruit pith, and, and that's what's in my mouth. Well, I'm getting some hop flavor. But bitterness? I'm not getting much bitterness at all on this beer. I mean, uh, let's see. The barley wine was... Tr- significantly more bitter from the pre-show and the last beer I think came across with more bitter finish than this beer I think this might be bitterness kind of expressing itself in a different way so expressing itself to me as this this pithiness and it's really lingering that way Uh, I don't know if it's I'm not going to say oh this is a bad beer because of it it's certainly an enjoyable beer and I'm enjoying the flavor but there's also that lingering pithiness I think it needs something to eat with it. I think this is a beer that needs something else with it to bring it down. Yeah, I think I think this beer would go really well with food. Well, um, okay, if you're going to go along the grapefruit line, what do you eat with grapefruit? Maybe a breakfast with eggs or um, you know, maybe some <laughs> bacon and ham or something like that? Huh. I think it's going to go with barbecue. Barbecue chicken. Um, I can see that. Barbecue chicken... What else? Now, I know we, we've gotten in trouble for, for expressing our opinions on what foods to enjoy with this. And this beer is insanely foamy when you yeah. pour it. The, um, here's something I wanted to bring up. When I went out to California and spent the day with Rick from Pacific Brew News and uh, Big Mike, who also is also on the show a lot, they have this – Big Mike has this habit and Rick's picked it up from – they order an IPA. Those guys love IPAs. That's like almost everything they always drink. And then they get an empty glass. And then they pour the beer into the other glass pretty firmly to, to release more CO2. And it tastes more like a cask beer. And you get more of the hop flavor because the CO2 is not really fighting with it. So they right. always do that to drink a lower <laughs> carbonated beer. You like higher carbonated beers. Yes, I do. So you probably wouldn't like that technique yeah. very much. But I, I, I tried it. And it does taste more like a cask beer when you do that. And you get different hops do come across differently. Well, I mean, there's a difference between tasting like a cask beer because it doesn't have a lot of carbonation in and tasting like a cask beer because it's a cask beer. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, removing carbonation does not a cask beer make. Cask beers have are lower carbonation. They're served warmer. And they're dispensed by a pumping mechanism right. instead of forced by air. But that's that's it. I mean, there's not a, no other really grand differences to it. But it's, you know, like you say, it's, it's warmer. It, the, the way in which it's pumped, well, I don't know whether that actually contributes a whole lot to it. There's a little, the tip on the thing kind of infuses air. So it's kind of force oxygenated, aerated uh-huh. when it's poured. That gives it some of the creaminess. It, oh. it doesn't make a difference maybe we should try it sometime 
<laughs> Interesting. So you, basically, what you're doing is artificially casking it. So you're saying that really there isn't much difference. You're, you're making it, giving it a lower CO2 level. Right. So the the hops, like because with all the CO2 exploding on your tongue, it kind of blocks the hops. You get a different hop flavor when it's a it's a flatter beer. I see. They swear by it. Oh, we should mention our our new bottle opening utensil from the Church Brewworks. Yes, thank you guys for. Uh, Donating such a fine piece of equipment as this bottle of I hope we don't lose it like the Heineken one. Yeah, God knows. Someone stole it from my housewarming party. I know it. <laughs> Keith, you took it, didn't you? All right, well, back to the emails. Jason writes that uh, he just got <clears> – <throat> Jason writes, I just got back from a work trip in Las Vegas where the beer scene isn't so bad. They have eight brew pubs. I was only able to visit three. I went to Ellis Island, Monte Carlo, and Gordon Biersch, the best of which was Monte Carlo. Says they have a smoked nitrogenated porter, and uh, we talked about you know nitrogenated porters before. before. <laughs> Everyone's coming up with yeah. them now. So thanks. Uh, anyway, he says a foul mouth cabbie gave me a great tip to a beer bar. I told him I love beer and I brew myself, and he says you'd like a convention they have every year. Oh come on, <laughs> you'd, you'd effing like a convention they have every effing year. <laughs> These effing guys get together and talk about effing beer and drink it for some s. <laughs> if I effing got. Wherever they they want to effing go to the effing frog. No, yeah. The, the beer is actually called the frickin' the frog. The frickin' frog. Yeah. The effing frickin' frog, man. You should go there, man. So kind of a a cabbie with, with, with a colorful mouth. So he did, and he says he cried. He's never seen such a beautiful hole in the wall before. It was beautiful because of the amount of beers it had. Granted, all of them were expensive, but they had beers from all around the world, beers you just can't find anywhere else. Let me give examples. They frequently get less lettering. They said they have a beer from Dogfish Head that is worth $1,500 on the internet. I've, uh, I think I've heard of it. I've seen this place in the beer forums before okay. people talking about it. They have these beers. You know, it's like a Dogfish Head limited release, and they price it obscene. It's Vegas, right? So they do it. If they sell it, hey, great. If not, it's, it's promotional. Type right, thing. right. So, yeah, they have some of these beers that are crazy high priced, like a $1,500 bottle of God knows what. Um, but I've heard about this place. It sounds like a pretty cool bar. The frickin' so. frog. So if you're in Vegas and you want to go to the coolest beer place, check out the now frickin' frog. I gotta frog. say, uh, Fred's Bar in, in Japan was a lot like that. Uh-huh. There were such great beers there. And it was kind of, you know, it, it was a hole in the wall in a sense. It was a small place, but it was a beautiful place, but small. Had a, such a great selection of beer uh, from all over. And uh, Fred was really a great host, too. That's cool. So do you think – have you thought of any more foods that would go with this? No, I think I'll definitely stick with some barbecue chicken on this one. I'm trying to think maybe I, – I, I had this weird thing in my mind of ribs. But it, in, you think of that and all you're saying to yourself is cover it with barbecue sauce. <laughs> and I guess that's some of that bitterness contrasted with the sweetness. Okay. That's why we're coming up with these sweet things. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if – Maybe like something even breakfasty would work with this, like pancakes with maple syrup. Hmm. But would you drink a beer with breakfast? Maybe if you had breakfast in the middle of the day, which certainly people have been known to have. Right. I don't know. I don't think this one would go as good. As... There's a diner near me that makes some awesome chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah. Okay. You can have them anytime you want. <laughs> I still got a mountain ahead, and I got a tiny bit of beer in the bottom of the glass. <laughs> oh, we have an email from our new listener, Tom. 
because he found a show about a month ago and he bought his iPod. Well, you don't have to have an iPod to listen to them. <laughs> it just spurred him to start looking at podcasts. And that's how he found us. He says, I downloaded all your shows back to February and caught up last week. Wow. <laughs> he says, I really enjoy listening to this show. I, I, I'd like to think we've improved since February. He would know better than yeah. anyone. So let us know. He has a couple questions about the show and some of the ones we've uh, talked about in the past. Yeah. But let's recap for okay. some new listeners. Any message boards or forums that you frequent to discuss beer? I know Beer Advocate has one. Any others? Well, some of the other forums, ratebeer.com. Mm-hmm. I typically stay on the Beer Advocate one. I feel most comfortable there. There's, um, oh, geez, there's a bunch. There's um, a couple I check out on occasion. I don't know if I know the names. They're all bookmarked. There's one called Beerinator. It's the North Carolina guys who have a little bit of a little forum. Uh, there's a forum on uh, probrewer.com, which is cool to check out if you want to see what you know professional brewers are talking about. Uh, Brewing Network has a forum, I think. So, yeah, there's tons of stuff out there. I should check those out because I'm a forum guy. I like to post in forums and stuff like that, but I haven't been looking at beer forums. The thing is with beer, <laughs> there's so many beers out there. And yeah. somebody could say something, this is a great beer, that you'll never have a chance to get. You, you, you can't <laughs> smack yeah. them down. Yeah. <laughs> So he, he also asked, have you ever discussed glassware? Well, we certainly have. But he says he asked about the cleaning, the type you should be used. We typically use pint glasses. And when we don't use them, we'd, we'd say. Yeah, for most styles of beer, traditional American pint glasses is the way to go. It uh, would be American. What, I mean, it's pints. <laughs> well, there's, there's the English glasses with the little bulge around the center. Really? When you get an English like draft beer. Oh, okay, beer, okay, yeah. You get those English pints, or they're typically 20 ounces or so. But you know what that bulge is for near the neck there? It's when you're drinking a cask beer with yeast, it helps catch the yeast so you don't drink as much, drink the yeast. Oh, so that's what I that's did not for. know that. Yeah. And when we have a special glass beer, you know, if we have um, something in a snifter, we always say it because we love drinking from yeah. our snifters. Uh, we have a couple of flutes that we've drank some beers out of. I think we did uh, Pilsners out of flutes last time. Um, as for cleaning... That's a good thing. We should bring it up real quickly. Don't use dish soap. Don't use dish soap. Or make sure you really, 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 really rinse it. Why? Uh, because the dish soap stays in the glass and it ruins your head retention on the beer. And, I see. And it's just not as good. Don't run them through the dishwasher. If you have a special – I guess if you like make sure your dishwasher is clean and you run it through on like a water-only type cycle, that would be fine. But you don't want to use dish detergent either. So what can you use to clean it? I typically use sanitizer to clean it. I have a big half gallon of um, commercial sanitizer, um, which I use for brewing sometimes. I also have brewing sanitizer, but I use that for my glasses. I kind of inherited the bottle. Well, if someone doesn't want to brew, then they don't want to buy a half gallon of sanitizer. Um, that's a good question, Greg. <laughs> um, just when you want to get something that rinses clean, doesn't leave residue. So you're going to have to get some kind of specialty product. To, to to wash the stuff or just use really hot water. Yeah, I think that is That's the best. Probably a yeah, good because option. if you know, okay, don't use dish soap, but you don't want to go buy a specialty product just to clean glasses for beer. I mean, that seems like going a little overboard. And I can understand that, okay. but if you just if you use really hot water and you maybe use a a washcloth to kind of get in there and you know you yeah. remove some. I mean, if your kind of person has a beer fridge in a bar, then you probably are going to get by some specialty cleaning stuff. Okay, I can see that. But um, yeah, if you just have a couple pint glasses and a couple beers, then yeah, I would just wash it with a washcloth or um, one of those foam things on a uh-huh. stick to wash out glasses, and just use really hot water to sanitize it afterwards. Maybe um, 
Can you try some like vinegar? Pour some vinegar in there, wash it around, then wash it out. Yeah, I guess. I mean, as long as you make sure you rinse. Yeah. I mean, rinse is the key. If you use any kind of detergent, you just want to make sure you really rinse it, rinse it well, because uh, otherwise it'll just take the head and knock it down. And you know, that's the, that's the good case. Worst case, if you have too much residue in there, it's going to affect the flavor of the beer. Sure. He also asked, uh, "Could you go over the best way to pack beers for shipping?" Jeff, you've done this before. I wouldn't really have no. So. None of the major shippers will ship beer, so you have to ship things like yeast samples or food samples or glass, glass bottles, bottles right. or books. Um, USPS, it could be a felony. They could prosecute you if you ship it through the United States Postal Service. So typically try to use FedEx or UPS or DHL. Um way I usually wrap them is I uh, wrap them up in a bubble wrap and then pack them in film peanuts. If you're feeling extra paranoid, you can do things like put each one in a plastic bag. So if you have one that breaks and leaks, it stays contained so the, bo- the outside of the box doesn't get wet. If any of those, if FedEx or UPS find out you're shipping beer, they'll send it back to you, which is nice. They don't throw it out, right. but they'll ship it back to you. So if the, bo- the box gets wet, they'll ship it back to you. So if you wanted to get through anyway, maybe wrap the stuff in a bag. Um, just pack it well. Pack it so you can drop it off your kitchen table onto the floor and nothing will break. <laughs> because, because these do go through some... I got a package a couple months ago. guy sent me eight or nine beers and three of them were broken. He packed them in a garbage bag so they made it. I opened up the box and it just smelled like old beer and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> uh, we were drinking the Sly Fox Route 113. Got cut off this page. You also want to know if either of us were cigar connoisseurs. And oh, no. No. <laughs> Neither of us are smokers. I've been known to try a cigarette once in a while. One way or another, I managed to get my hands on some Cuban cigars. And frankly, I don't know if, I mean, they were very, they were good cigars, but man, they're, they're really tightly wrapped. Oh, okay. And they last, and they're huge, and they last forever. Hmm. Uh, but to be honest, no, I mean, I wouldn't really know what to look for with cigars. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a smoker at all. I've never even had a cigarette, so I just don't know what I'm missing, and I don't plan on trying cigars either to be honest i'd say a, a cigar gives you certainly more flavor and more complexity than a cigarette which is just a, a means for getting nicotine into your system okay let's move on to the uh the newly popular what beer am i start giving away stuff and people write in imagine and that we randomly selected a winner and the winner is alexander he is uh from montreal he oh, correctly guessed that the What Beer Am I was the chronic from Lagunitas. You know, before we do What Beer Am I, let's pour this next beer. Okay. So congratulations, Alexander. You've just won yourself an East End Brewing glass. Courtesy of EastEndBrewing.com. Brewers of the finest IPA made in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Another very different smell. Almost a malty aroma with this one. This is Hop Henge from Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon. It's an India Pale Ale. has a uh, cool label, a little Stonehenge-type thing. I like it. They shot a photograph of Hop Henge made out of hop bales and then illustrated it into the thing. So that's a picture <laughs> of hop bales stacked like Stonehenge. Okay, so we had 24 people who wrote in with the correct answer this week. Sammy, Andrew, Paul, Chris, Rick from Big Foamy Head, <laughs> Alexander, Ben, David, Carrie, Aaron, Andrew M, Steve, Stacy, Jason, Brian, Steve B, TJ, Jeremy, Ken, Scott, 
with a K, Justin, Ryan, Rob, and Alex. Alex. So congratulations to all of you, but Alexander, you're the big winner. Congratulations. Congratulations I, to If you. I don't have your address in email, I'm not sure if I have yours or not, send me your address and we'll send you an East End Brewing Pine Glass. For the rest of you, try again this week. Well, before we announce it, let's, let's uh, give this beer a little look-see. Uh, it, it's sort of a darker orange, but not quite as, as tan as the first one. The aroma, not a lot of the hops coming through. And, man, I had a, I had something here. I I had it. I knew what it was, and now it's kind of lost. It was <laughs> on the tip the of my fleeting tongue. aroma. Man, <laughs> what is that? Because, you know, the thing is that the malt is mixing with the hop, and that's really getting... Yeah, this one's the maltiest of the beers. Mmm. No kidding. Big malt flavor. This one's balanced. Every other beer has been hop-forward. This one's balanced. There's plenty of hops in it, though. But the malt's right there with it, neck and neck. Hops aren't as west coast on this one. They're a little more... A little more earthy. Maybe it's the malt that's helping this thing come through. I don't know. This beer is 7.5% alcohol by volume. Centennial Cascade and Northern Brewer hops. Oh, okay. So just used differently where it's not quite as citrusy. Or maybe the malt's making it come across differently. 85 IBUs. It says here it was available January 2006 until it's gone. So I'm not sure if they're going to make it again. It's a big Northwest IPA boasting 3.5 pounds of Centennial Cascade and Northern Brewer hops. Per barrel. That's a <laughs> lot of hops. It won the gold medal on the 2006 World Beer Championships. Has or a blend, I of, for blend of crystal pale and Karistan malts. Creates an overall biscuity characteristic, with a de- which is dense and muscular. That's it, muscular. Muscular, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was What does for. muscular taste like? <laughs> it tastes like muscles. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> exactly. This is part of the Bond Street series. Hop Henge highlights the creativity and curiosity of our brewers. So the Bonds, <laughs> oh the, man, the Bond Street must be an experimental, okay. screw up, you know, mess around type series. But I, I, I always hate marketing speak, and there it is, right there in front of you. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we'll go on to what beer am I? The clues for this week's what beer am I, which were submitted by Sean in San Diego. So thank you, Sean. I am a gargantuan Russian stout brewed with coffee, molasses, and honey. I may not be a king of beers. That's my brother, but I'm close. I'm brewed by an Englishman and his sons, but certainly not in the English tradition. Mark your calendar, because if you want to dance with me, it will only be on International Dance Day. I have no idea what this beer is. (laughs) No clue. You should try to figure it out and enter, and you can win yeah. a pint glass. Oh, boy. Can I get one? Can I get one? So thanks, everyone, who entered this week. Uh, this one may, might be a little bit harder, but if, I think if you know the beer, it's going to come out pretty easy. And uh, everyone's Googling, what the hell is International Dance Day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little twist I threw in there. I'm trying to – this is really interesting because I'm trying to pick, figure out what that flavor is. There's definitely malt, much more of a malty presence here. But like Jeff said, the hops are there. This is the hop hand. The description makes this thing sound like it should be hops way out in front. 
you know, if I was reading the description, I would have guessed it was going to taste like what the farmhouse tasted like. Mm-hmm. And this one's a lot. I mean, this one's not screaming that that extra tier of hops. You know, a mile ahead of everything else. And that's probably why it won the gold medal in the, in the World Beer Championship 2006 because it probably is probably more balanced. Yeah. More balanced, and I think you know that's. Re- I really enjoy an IPA that has enough confidence in its hoppiness to to go malty as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. This beer was also sent in by Gary, so thank you. What is that flavor? Um, almost toffee like with the maltiness. This beer is seven months old. I wonder how much the hops would have subsided over that time. A little bit. Probably not too much, though. Well, this was treated pretty well, at least once you got it. So Yeah. And I'm sure Gary treats it well. So. Yeah. And the shipping was in the, was not before it got hot. So Or was before it got hot. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, hops fade over time. And I'm just wondering yeah, how much different this is from when it was fresh. What do they fade into? They kind of just mellow, and they're not, and the beer's not as hoppy. Other things come up and just help support it. So if you get a beer, you know, beer might be really, if you get it like really harsh hops, it's going to be really err at first. And it's going to mellow, and it's going to be more palatable as time goes on. What we could do is we could, I have some old hop wall up that are just hanging around. Yeah. And we could try old versus new. Something I wanted to do a while ago, we never got around to doing it. It'd be interesting to try. But there's no guarantees the hop wall of formula stayed the same since I stopped bottling conditioning it, so. Speaking of which I wanted to mention, but I didn't get to mention on the main show. Um, I think I actually mentioned this in, in the DVD special. Well, save it for that. <laughs> Buy the DVD to get um, Greg's thoughts on No, I'll, I'll talk about it, but um, it's about the dogfish head, the 16-minute IPA. Uh, what she used to say, we mentioned, you used to say bottle conditioner used to be the uh, Continually hopped, bottle conditioned American or India Pale Ale. Indian Pale Ale, which it now no longer on the bottle says bottle conditioned. We had somebody mail us in saying that you didn't necessarily have to have enough yeast in there. They could have enough yeast to carbonate it without having any yeast sediment. And to us, Visible that, yeast. that always sounded a little bit odd because we figured that at least some yeast should, should be in the bottle. You can see without yeah. a magnifying glass, yeah. You should be able to see something, you would think. Uh, you know, or else, why do other beer places put so much yeast in right. it? You see it at the bottom. Tell them what the new case says. The new case now <laughs> says, well, the beers now have that line missing. The bottle condition line is no longer on the beer. It just says the continually hopped comma space and then India Pale Hill. Uh on the uh, six packs. It still says bottle conditioned, so I guess they haven't run out of those six packs yet. On the case, it says the continually hopped, super fantastic India Pale Ale, <laughs> which you know does it definitely has the right meter to it because if it's just the continually hopped India Pale Ale, it just didn't have a meter. Right. Whereas when you have the continually hopped, super fantastic India Pale Ale, there you go, it has right. a meter. Super fantastic bottle condition that both they fit the same right, way. Exactly. I wonder how long it took them to figure that one out. They'd be like, oh, hired, hired a poet laureate in. I wonder who the doctor said poet laureate is. <laughs> <laughs> they hired Maya Angelou to be like, hmm. What can super we fantastic. You know, I would call sound, this super fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they hired a very expensive poet. No. <laughs> if you guys only do the stuff we talked about. <laughs> that we edit out. <laughs> stuff that wouldn't even make the post show. <laughs> and if you listen to last week's post show. That, that's not necessarily <laughs> true. <laughs> The post show could sometimes have some very interesting stuff on it. Um, wow. I think I threw away my news. 
There was no news. There was no news. The um, the only news I found that was worth talking about was they did this investigation on government spending after uh-huh. Katrina, and they found all this waste. You know, people buying iPods and you know sixty thousand dollars in dog booties for canines that were supposed to help clean up and stuff like that. The Coast Guard bought a thousand dollar brewing system for like parties and stuff like that. They Sweet. can brew their own beer, so they got caught and busted for buying a thousand dollar homebrew kit. <laughs> You know, in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> a thousand bucks to make, you know, so they can make their own beer. Well, the thing is, they'd probably make crappy beer. I don't know. Maybe they make good beer. I'm Who thinking knows? this guy buying a thousand dollar homebrew system, he probably makes good beer. But, you know, they were like, in the article, they kind of justified it. Or like, the, or, or like the report just tried to justify it. And they're like, well, that means it would have to cost $12 a six pack. And who buys $12 a six pack? You know, Greg and I are raising our hands. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, you know, the majority of the world thinks, you know, four bucks is expensive for a six pack. So. Right. You know, <laughs> it just show, it goes to show you we still have an uphill battle with this stuff. I don't know if I'd use that as the, the moral of the story, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Government corruption is okay if you're paying for good beer. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Can you tell we've been drinking a lot of beer? Yeah, I think so. We're all, anything, we, else, anything else we have to go through here? No, I think we're done with, with, with our list of crap. We're still on hop handers, though, so let's... Um, original gravity... Who cares? <laughs> 1.070. Seriously. I care about original gravity if I'm going to uh, a beer bar. Because then I can look at it and kind of figure out how malty it's going to be. Okay. Roughly. I mean, well, the higher the gravity, the more malty it's going to be. Right. More, more. Uh, the sweeter. Yeah. The more initial sugars, which yeah. means the more residual sugars. Uh, so, you know, but but I don't really care about that that, that much with the. I mean, it, it tells me something, but original gravity is not listed on bottles, and so if you go to a bottle shop, you know, it's not going to tell you. Right. You're not going to know. No, it's also useful for the people to brew and might want to brew something similar. It's okay, a good I, I can see declination that. point on where to start. You know how much malt to put in your beer. You don't know what kinds of malt per se, but it might be in the description. So it's useful for the brewers amongst us. If you want to clone it, I mean, there's so many IPAs. I couldn't imagine wanting to clone you know yeah. just one of these. But I mean, this is not a bad IPA at all. But I don't know if this would be something I'd want to clone. You want to move on? Oh, you're already pouring. So. I'm pouring. Okay. We're going to finish these bombers, my friend. In the post show, we can. <laughs> We're not going to do something special in the post show? Well, I mean, we could, but usually with big bombers like this, we'd save the, the dregs for the post show. That's true. I'm not really thinking. This isn't much. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the aroma is, but I think it's because I'm trying to compare it to fruit. Whereas, really, this is just much more of a. I don't know, like a centennial hop aroma. I mean, that's what this is. Yeah, it's a little more herby or, or not really grass in this one. Hop hinge. I know. I'm re- I'm really surprised on how not hoppy this beer yeah. is compared to the other ones and compared to the name. You don't know the bales. I mean, yeah, if it has a hop in it, you kind of figure. I mean, like a good example is Big Hop from East End, which we talked about before. Yeah, it's hoppy. Hop Devil. It's pretty hoppy. But it's not incredibly hoppy. Well, again, we've had this against some seriously hoppy beers. Hop Wallop is a very hoppy beer. We, but I'm just saying tonight we've drank this against yeah. some seriously hoppy beers. Having this on its own might come across as really hoppy. Maybe. It might be, a, you know, it could be that the the more subtle, if this is a more earthy hop, we're missing it because we're used to the, the 
here, Greg. Let me punch you a couple yeah. times right in the face <laughs> type, uh, you know, cascade hop. Not much more to say about Hophenge. I mean, it's really good. Doesn't live up to the name with the other beers we had. It, the it, kind of alliterative name, Hophenge. I don't know. I mean, this is my favorite IPA of the night so oh, far. really? Yeah. Because it, it's so balanced. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm, I'm missing out on it. I can't help but think I'm missing out on parts of it because of the other beers. I don't know. I mean, to me, this is the one that I'd like to drink a whole bunch of. I mean, I felt that the, the Sly Fox was too bitter. I felt the farmhouse, you know, was really good at first, but then it kind of slipped a bit. Okay. Slipped up in the hoppiness. And this hop hinge to me is the one that really has the right balance. It's got the maltiness. It's got the hoppiness. Hmm. Yeah, it's not, you know, hop, 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 hop. But it's definitely okay. I can see where you're going. It definitely has the best balance. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I would just like a little bit more hops to come through. It just maybe the name they would have called it a eh, nice American IPA. <laughs> but hop henge. I mean, you get this big monolithic idea. So keep that in mind, Deschutes. Next time you brew something, call it. And I'm quoting Jeff. Eh, <laughs> nice American. Nice IPA. American IPA. So you had to have the eh part, of course. <laughs> It's probably one of those shows that people like because we have a little too much. <laughs> probably. If only you guys could hear what we've cut out of the show. <laughs> you have to pay a premium for next year's DVD. Yeah, that's going yeah, to be 35 bucks. And I have to see ID. <laughs> the final beer of the evening. Bear Republic Racer 5 IPA. Why is it called Racer 5? Because uh, they like Speed Racer? I don't know. This is one of the beers that Jeff brought back. This is from Hellsburg, H-E-A-L-D-S-B-O-R-G, California. 7% alcohol by volume brewed year-round. Yet another beer that pours with a big head. Mm-hmm. These beers are all foamy as hell tonight. <laughs> What's the deal with that? I don't know. Just the beers, I guess. I'm drinking IPAs. The hop oils tend to help keep head around and... These things are just pouring and <laughs> big head. Interesting. 69 IBUs. This is uh, probably one of the lowest in IBUs of the beers we've had tonight. And probably one of the biggest award winners. So in a whole bunch of awards here, we got um, World Beer Cups. We got Real Ale Festivals, Great American Beer Festival. So this beer has won its awards. I had this thing for the first time in California. On tap, and I'll tell you, it's it's a tasty IPA, so I'm hoping the bottle stands up and you appreciate it as much as I did out there. RNG slash tangerine type aroma. aroma. Um, the color is kind of more on the the lighter side. Lighter, mm, lighter yellowish. Still an orange. It's light orange. Yeah. Very clear. This poured very, very clear. Another thick head. Another one of those shaving cream thick heads on it, yeah. Here, have a little bit of hops, Greg. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a different flavor. Um, almost, it's weird because it's almost kind of a milder flavor in terms of bitterness. I mean, we we heard we said it's 69 IBUs, a lot less yeah, IBUs. Not much bitterness, a lot of hop flavor. Yeah. I mean, this thing's like... They must have been like jumping on the kettle, pushing hops in, like, come on, they got to fit. <laughs> Drink a little bit of water, try to cleanse my palate a bit before I taste another one. So I'm still getting a little bit of bitterness from the other beers. 
it, it is, it's a really, really orangey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, orange is, it's not really as much grapefruit as it is orange. It's just a mouthful of hops. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's very hoppy. There's malt there. there there's enough malt to, to, to give it a backbone. But the, the first thing you taste is, is a whole bunch of this orange and this orangey hops, a little bit of citrus, other citrus flavors running around in there. I mean, if I had to, to, to pick the, the flavors that I was getting, uh, this one would be orange. The hop henge uh, was more of a, well, there wasn't really a flavor I could compare it to. It was just Centennial hop. The the Sly Fox was grapefruit, and the farmhouse Oast House was more of a, like I said, a kiwi. So those are your fruits. Although, I mean, Centennial hops isn't a fruit, but if you're able to bite a Centennial hop, that's kind of what you'd taste. Well, if you, if you bite the hop... It's going to taste more well, yeah. grassy and, and <laughs> vegetal, but I, don't, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. He made hop juice. Yeah. If he had like hop bubble gum. Go, Ooh. Hey, now you're thinking. Cut oh, that I, part I better out. cut that and patent it. <laughs> One of our listeners is going to get rich and famous on hop bubble gum, and hop we'll be sitting gum. here begging for people or DVDs. Come on, man. Hopple gum. Oh, see, you're even doing the marketing for him, Greg. Come on. <laughs> I can't help it. Hopalicious? Hopple gum. <laughs> hey, if you can figure out a way to get that hop taste to continue, I mean, the big problem with bubble gum, right, is that you're chewing it for five minutes and all of a sudden mm-hmm. that flavor is gone and it's just a piece of rubber in your mouth. Right. <laughs> and it'll take out your fillings, but you know. <laughs> Okay, so it's time to rank, and uh, you know, I have my ranking pretty – it's pretty easy for me. All right, let it rip. Hophenge, number one. Okay. Uh, I really did enjoy this. Uh, this was balanced. It was really the most balanced of all of them. Had an equal component of hop – well, I don't know equal, but I mean it certainly had a nice component of hop and malt. And, and I'm a big malty beer fan. Give me some malt. Give me some hops. I'm really happy. I'm happy with Hophenge, even though – Maybe because it has hop in the name, maybe Jeff isn't necessarily going to put it up top. I disagree with, 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 you know, judging a book by its cover. And in this case, I'm going to judge a beer by its taste and a hop hinge to me, number one. Number two, I'm really, I'm really liking this Bear Republic. I enjoy the, the orangey flavor. I like the fact that it's not really hitting me up with IBUs, but it's still an IPA. It's still clearly a yeah, hoppy Yeah, it's not beer. often you get a beer that's this hoppy yeah. without the bitterness. Right. And, well... Okay, the alcohol is about on par with the rest of them, but you know you would expect maybe them to try to stuff some more alcohol mm-hmm. in with this much hoppiness, you know. Um, next, I think I'm going to go with the farmhouse oast house just because I thought the 113 was a little bit too bitter. Uh, 113 is a lot of IBUs, and it, it certainly showed. And to me, it was a little bit too pithy. The bitterness really expressed itself as this kind of pithy flavor. I'm not a fan of the white part of grapefruit, and if you like the white part of grapefruit, then the sly fox is probably your your best bet. Okay. See, for me, top two are really close, and I'm having a hard time figuring out which one I like better. The uh, the Farmhouse, Oust House IPA, I really liked the flavor when we first had it, and it seemed to decline over the over the taste a little bit. But I think I like that initial flavor better than the Racer 5, so I think I'm actually going to put it up top. Okay. Racer 5 is a close second. It, it's good. The hoppiness in it, like I said, I think I just liked the profile of the, the farmhouse just a tiny bit better. It's good, 
I just not as good sure. as I like the profile of the hoppiness in the farmhouse. So Hophenge was a good solid beer. Maybe the name misled me, and I was expecting something with it. <laughs> I was expecting like you know, think of the Black Butte we had last. Yeah, time but I mean, from just, you know, think about it. If it was labeled A, you know, if it wasn't labeled, how would you rank it? It's we're doing IPAs, um, kind of. In, we're drinking mostly West Coast IPAs here. If it was still, if it was completely blind, it's a good question. It's a reasonable point. I might have moved it up a little bit, but it's 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 a solid third. And then uh, the Sly Fox, I'm putting that fourth. Something in the flavor there, that kind of sweetness that I thought was kind of Simcoe. It didn't really go in this beer very well. I don't know if it's really the pithy you were talking about. I don't think it is, but just. Part of that beer, I just thought didn't really complement it, and I, it was definitely my least favorite of the night. I'll uh, point out once again, Jeff is wearing a Sly Fox shirt, so this should show that our <laughs> bias does not show up when we're doing the show. Yeah, we're drinking for like I, I still like the brewery overall. I had a yeah. bunch of beers. Just out of these three beers, there was something in that one thirteen that just didn't really strike me right tonight. Their Doppelbach and their Pilsner, though. Really like those I think ones. just one thirteen is a lot of IBUs, and if you know, if you're not into that's the whole, another thing. I wasn't getting anywhere near that kind of bitterness in that beer. I just wasn't tasting it. See, to me, I don't think bitterness is just salty. I mean, I think bitterness really kind of can express itself in different ways, and the way it really chose to express itself in Sly Fox was that pithiness. See, bitterness almost always hangs around for the aftertaste. It definitely hung around with me. Not at all. Really? That's why I didn't notice it. I didn't see anything hanging around bitter after I drank it. I don't know. I mean, I just, I was expecting a nice heavy presence there. You know, when you drink a bitter beer, it kind of hangs around on your tongue there. See, to me, it was, it was hanging around even like far too long. I mean, I was really tasting it. See, I wasn't getting nothing. It just goes to show you, Jeff and I do have different tongues. <laughs> just in case you wondered if we shared the same tongue. <laughs> Got my tongue back right. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> you can tell we've also had a lot of beer. And a lot yeah, of alcohol beer. this was a pretty fun episode of Craft Beer Radio. Uh, we're getting better at the new format. I like the new format. I think we're doing really well. And uh, we'll see you again next week where we figure out some more listener-contributed beers. We'll try to fit them into another like style. Yeah. But it could be mix and match as well. We'll see what we can do. Catch you later. we a lucky goose. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Hey